0: Welcome to the Art of the Possible podcast, IPC Apex Expo Edition. Get insight into the education, innovation, and collaboration taking place at IPC Apex Expo. Now here's your host, John Mitchell.
1: Hello, welcome back to the Art of the Possible podcast, IPC Apex Expo Edition. I'm your host, John Mitchell, President and CEO of IPC. We're thrilled to bring you a series of episodes. Designed to give you a snippet of the compelling and forward thinking content presented at IPC Apex Expo next year. Today, our guest is Emily Calandrelli, mechanical and aerospace engineer, host and co producer of Emily's Wonder Lab on Netflix, and executive producer and host of Exploration Outer Space on Fox. Emily, thanks for joining me.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: So, you have an impressive background. Not only are you an accomplished author, the host and executive producer of acclaimed science tv series but you've also been named one of adweek's celebrities and influencers raising the bar for creativity so growing up what made you want to pursue a mechanical and aerospace engineering career or a career in that area and what are a couple of things that you wish you knew before you would would have done so
0: oh my gosh so i have a sort of a non-traditional story in this world. Because a lot of my peers, I I think they grew up with family members who are scientists or engineers. They talk about going to space camp when they were little. They talk about their mom bringing them to a rocket launch, something like that. I didn't know any scientists or engineers growing up. I'm the first person in my family to pursue a degree in STEM. And I did it for very practical reasons. When I was a high school senior, I Googled all of the majors that one could major in in college, and I looked at their starting salaries. And I discovered that engineers made good money. They made one of the highest salaries after a four-year degree. And so that is how I ultimately chose to go into engineering at first. And when I got to college, I sort of assumed that my life was going to be really boring. It was going to be just really hard. I was going to hate it, but I was going to end up with a good job and make my family proud. And what ended up happening is I got to college and I became obsessed with it. I found adventure. I found discovery. I found awe. I, I found all of these things that allowed me to see the beauty of science and especially space exploration. And I just, I have not turned back since. And so I think the thing that I wish that I would have known when I was younger is how fun it could be. All the adventures that you could have if you study this field. I mean, I've obviously now I've I've been to things like rocket launches and I've been able to, to see that wonder firsthand. But as a student, I was able to fly on the Vomit Comet. I was able to travel to a different country through Engineers Without Borders. I did an internship in China through the National Science Foundation. I was able to do internships at NASA and all of this was not only free but many of the things I got paid to do. And so for someone in my position in West Virginia growing up without any scientists or engineers in my family, growing up in a family that didn't have a ton of money, like those were the things that spoke to me and just being able to fall in love with it along the way was a really wonderful surprise.
1: That's fantastic. So you went from a Jerry Maguire show me the money moment to <laughs> really developing a passion for it.
0: Yes, exactly. That's
1: awesome. That's great. So how did you transition from engineering and policy to a renowned advocate? So I think I know part of the answer based on what you've just said, but how do you shift from hardcore STEM into yeah. really being an advocate for an, an entire industry?
0: Oh my gosh, it's, it's such a good question. So when I was graduating, I went to West Virginia University for undergrad, and then I went to MIT for graduate school, where I got two masters, one in science policy and one in aeronautics and astronautics engineering. And as I was graduating and looking for a job, um, mostly I was looking for something in DC. I think I wanted to do science policy, influencing policy in some way related to science and technology. I got a call from a production company who was looking for somebody to be the host of their next big space show. And they asked me to be the host. And it sounded like such an adventure that I could not say no. I had no prior experience in television producing, on-camera work, anything like that. But they had found me because throughout my college career, I have always been really passionate about outreach. Going back to the schools that I went to, the elementary schools, the middle schools, the high schools, and talking to children about what I was learning in college and all of the exciting adventures that I was having. That thing that I told you that I wish that I would have known when I was younger I was telling those kids that so that in real time, I could hopefully make a difference and, and talk to those kids in a way that I wish that I had been talked to when I was that age. And so they had found me, this production company found me because of all of this work that I had done talking about science. So they could find videos of me talking about science in a way that made it clear and understandable and exciting. And so they invited me to be this host. And I said, yes. And that was, oh gosh, 10 years ago, and my career trajectory completely changed from that one opportunity.
1: Took you off on an entirely different tangent. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, So you've you've spoken at some great venues, Google, Pixar, MIT. Your TEDx talks have now garnered over a million views. I know I'm a couple of those, and that's part Mm -hmm. of the reason we wanted you to come speak here. I, I appreciated your... Matter of fact, and and if I dare say a little bit of a snarky, you know, approach (laughs) to to it, which is, which I love. So there's no doubt that your session at IPC Apex Expo will be invaluable for the engineers and management of the entire industry that will be attending there. Many of them are looking to delve deeper and many of them actually are doing deep space exploration and developing the products that help make that possible. Can you tell us a little bit about, without giving away too much, your keynote presentation, The Sustainability, Economics, and Advocacy of Space Exploration.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing that I love so much about space is that it is more exciting now than ever before in history, than the 60s, the 70s. I mean, this decade, this era is the most exciting time to be in the space industry for a number of reasons. And I think one of the things I want to touch on is why that's the case? Why now? What's happening now that wasn't happening back in the 60s and 70s to make this era the most exciting time to be in the space industry? And then where can we go from here? What are the improvements that can be made? What can we expect to see on the horizon 10, 20 years from now? Um, and, and all of the ways that we can make this space, this industry more welcoming for everyone so that we have all of the right ideas and all of the diverse ideas at the table to create the most innovative solutions because the challenges on the horizon are tough. They are tough. And there is no easy, clear answer for how to solve them. And to be the most innovative, to have the best solution, the most efficient solution, we need to bring a diverse set of ideas to the table so that we can think about these problems through many different lenses. And how do we accomplish that? How do we get more women in STEM? How do we make STEM more welcoming for everyone? So I'm going to touch on a little bit of all of that.
1: That's fantastic. That's, uh, you know, one of my big passions is problem solving through diverse groups. I don't know if you're familiar mm. with the work by Surawiki and Wisdom of Crowds, Yeah. but uh, yeah. everything I've done, you just always get better answers when you have uh, completely diverse groups of people working on. That you just get better answers always. Yes, so, exactly. I'm uh, very excited about that. That's a. am looking forward to it. Uh, in addition to the opening keynote for the entire show, you'll also be presenting where are all the women in STEM at the Women in Electronics Reception, which IPC has been holding for it's over a decade now, I guess. And uh, so can you tell us a little bit about that presentation?
0: Right. Yeah. So the thing I really want to touch on the most is what happens when you don't have women at the table? What are the different problems that arise in various industries? Because this is so widespread. It's not just the aerospace industry, it's many industries, especially technical industries. And what happens? What are the problems that arise from things that are simply inefficient and annoying to the very extreme scale of being deadly and dangerous? Because all too often in many of these industries, we assume that the average person participating in that industry is the average man, and we don't account for women in these industries either because they're not involved, they're not at the table, they're not helping to make decisions, they're not in positions of power, etc. There's many different reasons why this exists. So I want to talk a little bit about the problems that arise and again, the ways that we can solve it. So what are the steps that we can take so that these problems either stop arising in our industry or we can prevent them from arising
1: in the future. Yeah, it's a great, great topic, and, and it is a challenge we need to figure out. We need yeah. to definitely uh, rectify some of the barriers that uh, prevent this. So, one of the things that I've struggled with is we've spent literally billions and billions of dollars in just this country trying to offer new programs to entice more women to come into STEM, and yet the net change over the last twenty years, it's less than three percent. What are we doing wrong?
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there's no easy answer because the parts of the career where people leave, where women leave, are sporadic. It's it's from not only getting little girls excited about STEM through things like representation, but it's also keeping them in their jobs so that they feel welcomed. Like you want to go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. And a lot of these industries have companies that are completely like you look at their board and you look at the the C suite of people who are leading that company, and if you don't see or somebody... just the
1: sea of cu- cubicles. I mean, the, I, I yes. I've worked in this industry. Yes. I mean, I moved from Massachusetts down to uh, the South, and the difference in just the demographics there. I mean, it was all pretty much homogenous when I was up at working in the technical center.
0: Right. Exactly. And so you can do as much as you want in terms of advertising and, and recruitment, but. If the people who have decision-making power do not look like the type of people you are trying to recruit, then you are going to fail. And so I think you have to not only put money in terms of, of, of recruiting, but once those people are there, are you doing the work to retain them? Are you doing the work to make that workplace feel welcoming for those individuals? And a lot of times that means like allowing the people that identify as part of that group to be part of the leadership, to be able to make the decisions that affect the culture.
1: Very good. Thank you. That's very insightful. So, Emily, we are very excited to welcome you to IPC Apex Expo. I'm personally looking forward to both presentations on January 24th. What haven't I asked you about or what other comments would you like to share before we close here?
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I think that if anybody has any interest in the space industry, there is just a lot to talk about from NASA's Artemis program. Um, we're going back to the moon. We just had the Artemis yeah. one launch. I mean, it, this has been something that's been a decade in the making and it just happened. I mean, it's so exciting to think about because this is the program that's going to bring a woman to the moon, the first person of color to the moon. It's really exciting, but there, could be a lot of questions around why did it take so long and why does this seem to be riddled with controversy? And I'm happy to talk about all of that. We recently had a Chinese rocket launch where the rocket fell back down to earth uncontrollably and we didn't know where it was going to land. And so why is that allowed to happen and why does it seem more frequently happening now? What can we do about it? What can we do about space debris in general? What are we doing about it now? What are the rules around this? And so, I think there's a lot of interesting questions around that and how it sort of impacts the future of space and where we're going from here.
1: Well, that's a great teaser for the Q and A after your keynote when we'll open the floor to the audience. Maybe everybody can prepare their questions to hit uh, on some of those topics as well if, if we don't uh, get to them in, during the keynote. So, exactly. Yeah, that's it's a great topic, and it is like you said, it's an exciting time. Emily, thank you for speaking with me today and giving our listeners some insight into your both your dynamic role as well as expertise in the industry as well as some of the topics we'll be covering at IPC Apex Expo. Really appreciate your time today.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So if our listeners would like to learn more, please visit ipcapexexpo.org and register now. And if you do so by December 16th, you'll save 20% on your registration. We have some exciting things planned for IPC Apex Expo 2023, and we look forward to seeing you all there. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. Join us at IPC Apex Expo to experience the largest electronics manufacturing event in North America. Go to ipcapexexpo.org and register today.